Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. You turn with me to chapter 46. As we finish that out, we're going to start at verse 48, reunion. It is, I'm sorry, it is reuniting and settling in Egypt. I get that right. You know, reunion and settling in Egypt. The reunion of, Jake, of, of Joseph and Jacob finally take place. But we also see this settling in in a place where we don't normally think settling in will occur. And it is that thought that I gave you earlier, God is not afraid of Egypt. Egypt is God's tool. And so we need to realize that wherever we are, wherever God has called us to be, wherever he has allowed us to be, even if you don't want to be there, that we have to realize that you can settle down and settle in wherever God places you. However temporary or long that it is. See, one of the things to remember is, as God spoke to Jacob, and we looked at that last week, as God spoke to Jacob, this would be the last time God would speak like that, and he was speaking to the patriarchs. The next time he would speak like he did with Jacob would be the Moses over 430 years later. And so this speaking that he is doing, he is telling and he is directing Jacob. He is saying, Jacob, who, will, who is also Israel, but he is referring to him as Jacob because he know him in his frailty, in his need for God, in his need for help and sustenance. He tells him, I know how frail you are. I know your need. I know your fear. I know your concern, but I am with you as he heads into the strange and new land. Kind of reminds you of Jacob's grandfather. When Abraham was doing that, when God in a vision appeared to him and told him to go down into Canaan. So this was a strange land and that he would be with him. Of course, he led him to Egypt and back out as well. But once again, God was reminding him, I'm taking you somewhere strange to you. But strangeness is not the enemy when I'm in it. And so we see Jacob now being comforted, but also what we see here is God being able to, to fulfill, and we'll see that in a little bit, God being able to fulfill what he stated to Abraham a while ago. And it should comfort us when we are tempted to ask God, do you know what you're doing? We may not mouth those words exactly, but boy, we allude to them and we kind of say them in a backhanded way. We look at God and be like, I don't understand what you're doing. Translated, what you doing? 
I didn't plan it this way. Or the, really, Lord? Translate it. I can't believe you're doing this. You, 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 you must not know what's going on. So where we left off, I said that I wanted to pick up what this was this God's gracious reunification. Last week there was a point, and starting at verse 28, it says, He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. This is interesting. This is the second time Jacob sends a delegation ahead of him. Remember when he was getting ready to meet Esau? He was afraid because he had done Esau dirty. He had done him wrong, and he thought Esau was going to hold the grudge. And so he sent all these people, and he sent you know, animals, and he sent his family. First of all, I said, bro, you should have been leading, but you sent everybody in front of you. And he sent everyone ahead so that by time Esau got to him, as Jacob thought, it would soften his heart when he saw all that he had. And Esau hadn't planned on doing anything. And this time, but it's in a better light, he sends Judah ahead. And remember, Judah is not the oldest. He, he didn't send Reuben. Reuben already showed that he can't be trusted to lead anything. He was one of the ones that was standing around looking, going, what do we do? But he was also the one who really was ineffective, was willing to give up one of his kids if, remember that? He was willing to give up his son if Benjamin didn't come back home when they, were, when they didn't realize that Joseph was the ruler they had been standing before. He made a promise, I'll give up my firstborn. Like, brother, why don't you give you? And so he had demonstrated that his leadership failed. And so God chose Judah. Although messed up, Judah wasn't perfect. Read his story. He was the one that suggested that they sell Joseph into slavery. So he was the one that was now being a part of the reuniting and the going ahead. Look how God turns it around. Can I just do a side note for a second? Some of us think that because we've messed up, that God can't use us at all. See, this isn't, you know, go ahead and do what you want to do. God will bring you back around. He may not always bring you back around. But understand that God uses messed up people. How do I know? You are looking at one. And I'm looking at some too. God uses messed up people. Judah messed up royally. You really want to read, read chapter 38 again, and you'll get a good view of how this brother messed up. And yet here he is leading the way, going before the family to find out what it is they are to do when they arrive in Egypt, and more specifically in Goshen. And so here Judah is getting a second chance. And I'm going to tell that's just like you and I. Yeah, you know what? Some of us may have, me you know what? May have messed up greatly. God can still use your life when you turn back to him. See, some of us want to think, I can still stay in my mess and God going to use me. No. No. It's not. Until you make it right with God, 
Don't think about being used. You might be an example, but you may want to embrace God to be used by him. I don't want God to use me to prove a point about foolishness and folly. Here is exhibit A. Curtis decided he didn't want to walk with me. I'm going to show you how you look when you don't walk with me. I don't want to be an example, but I want to be used. And so this God's gracious reunification is he is now bringing them back together. God is showing you, too, I don't always go according to the natural order of things. In that culture and custom, it was always the oldest. God is showing you and I, I don't fit into man's standard. I do it my way, depending on who's faithful. And see, you can be the one, maybe you don't have the status. Maybe you don't have um, all the friends group. Maybe you don't have the influence that people think you should have. Maybe you're not the one that people go to all the time. But when God chooses to use you, and you in obedience respond, he'll highlight you. And for some of us, he'll blow your mind with what he wants to do. And so we get now to where Joseph and them actually, Joseph and Jacob reunite. And here's where I went for our young. He says, verse 29, then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father in Goshen. Remember I said before, when you see the name changes for the same person, Jacob, Israel, Jacob, Israel, is speaking of the same man, but one in his human frailty, his sin, and his messed upness. And then you're talking about him as leader, him as being seen now as what God has made him into. And so whenever Joseph goes up, he goes up to Israel. He goes up to the leader that God has called, to the man God has changed, to the man God still has as leader of this tribe. I want you to know here, Joseph has ascended to great influence and power and yet can come to his father who messed up, who was part of the reason for the mess that they were all in, and yet he comes up to him with great respect, with great honor, with great desire. Can I tell somebody today, God may cause you to rise well beyond anyone in your family. You may do things that no one has imagined in the family would ever be done. You may go places that others in your family may not have gone. God may elevate you in ways that everybody is serving at your feet. Please don't forget to honor where God has called you to honor. Please don't forget that the parents that may not have been perfect yet godly led you at least to some place in God. That they got you to at least look at who God is. That they got you to concentrate and focus on the things of the Lord. Joseph could have said, man, I ain't bothering with them folk. Please. All y'all sold me Look at who I am. 
I'll see y'all when you get here. But notice he doesn't even get up to the palace yet. It says Jacob gets his chariot. He doesn't send anybody. He doesn't get anybody. For it. He takes his chariot, rides out. This is an act of humility and submission because he understands, although I've grown, I've attained power, I've attained status, God still requires humility out of me. And I want to say to someone today, as you climb, remain humble. As you climb, keep your eyes on those things that are important to the Lord. Keep your eyes on your family, regardless of how messed up you think they are. He gets up and it says, he went up to meet Israel, his father in Goshen. He presented himself to him. Realize he didn't bring up the guard and all the people and cause his father to be presented to him. He said he, second in command, ruler in Egypt, power and authority, presents himself to Jacob. And man, I just say for us, can we never get too big for where we've come? Can we never get too influential for those who have been a part of our past? Verse 30, he says, um, he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. That was a long, hard cry. Remember, he hadn't seen him in years. And they finally meet. Jacob thought his son was dead. Not only was he not dead, God led, God used him to lead the way that would bring salvation to Jacob and his family, but would also bring salvation to Egypt. Because if it wasn't for Joseph's wisdom given by God, everyone would have been unprepared for the famine that was coming. And it was part of God's promise that he would fulfill, that they would, he would use his nation to save many. This was the beginning of the nation of Israel. And here God was using his man that was coming from the nation of Israel that would save many in the world. Sounds familiar? We see the type right here that Christ who would later come out of Israel would not only save his people, but would save all, would save many in the world who submitted themselves unto him. And so God was at work. And so this here is not only God's gracious reunification, this is... God's, I mean, it, this was Joseph's great identification. He did not mind being identified. And this is what I didn't want to share last week because I didn't have my time. He did not mind being identified with this group, although he had risen to great power. Joseph, I mean, so 
Israel said to Joseph, verse 30, Now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. He said, he said I can die now. I've gotten all I need. My son is alive. Now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Verse 31, Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and, and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. I want you to get that for a second. See, he told them, when we get there, tell the truth. See, they're not going to like who you are, but they're going to love the fact of what I've done for this nation to save it. See, he didn't need to change who he was to walk in this influence and new status and power. Joseph had no problem identifying with the lowly. Number one, he realized from where he came, but number two, he says, this is who God has us to be. See, he says, when, you, when we get up there, I'm going to tell them, I come from shepherds. When he says, my brother and my father are shepherds, and my father's fathers, and, and all we've done is that we've tended flock and that we've watched sheep, I'm going to tell them that. And they're not going to want you to be around them because it was detestable for them with shepherds. They didn't like that. It was, to them, it was part of the culture of those people. We don't want them around. And Joseph said, that's who I come from. Those are my people. And even though I have influence and power, those are my people. But here's the deal, too. He says, don't change for Egypt. You are in Egypt, but understand, don't change for Egypt. You are shepherds. Why did he say that? Part of it is, I wonder, because Jacob was known to manipulate and make things appear as they are not. He said to his dad, Dad, now when you get up there, look, tell the man who you are. Don't be up here. Well, you know, we kind of tended, and you make who you are seem like who you are not. I'm going to tell some of y'all, when you get out there where you are, look, don't start acting like you never met Jesus. Don't start acting like you didn't come from a godly family. Don't get out there acting like Christians. Who are they? Ooh, oh, 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 gosh, no. no I, I want no part of that. He said, tell them who you are. And Joseph knew so that they can put you away from themselves, but the away from themselves will be a land that would actually flourish. Here's the deal. That identification with the truth caused them to be blessed more than the Egyptians. 
when you read down in the story, especially in chapter 47, the Egyptians sold themselves into slavery to their own people so that they would get food. But if you realize that the, that the, the sons and the family of Jacob lived in Goshen because shepherds were detestable, but it was the best of the land, and God provided for them. And they didn't have to change and lie about who they are. That is critical. When you step into these arenas that God opens doors for you, when you start gaining influence and you start getting favors done and people start really loving who you are and what you've done for them, don't change who God has made you. Because then you're actually acting and thinking as if you did it. It's me. And you're acting as if you're going to sustain yourself. It's me. No, it's not. It's God. And Joseph realized that. And I love he tells him, look, go over there and tell the truth. You ever been around someone that you get around their friends and they start talking about them? Maybe like, you do that? I, I, I don't know him like that. I don't know what he's talking about. He's so-and-so. And all that stuff that she's telling you, yeah, I, I, mm, I've not seen that. See, it is a bad thing to have trusted God to get there and then to think to stay there, I need to leave God alone. And that's what a lot of us do. I'll trust God to get there. God, if you get me this job, God, if I just, if I can just get this change of location, if I can just be in this place, I'll be, and, and you get there and you be like, God, God who? I'm, I'm good. See, the issue becomes, God says, stay the way you are in me, and it works out better for you, even when they don't like who you are. Because shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. And yet, the abominable people took the best land. Why? Because God is in the mix. And so we see then that chapter 47, verse 1, so Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come to the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said, they better have said just what Joseph told them. Your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land and in Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. They didn't have to change a bit who they were. 
Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Oh, we can do that. And it says, verse 7, Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood before and stood him before Pharaoh. And I bet you Jacob never believed that he would stand before such a great king. If, and, and, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I love that. I can just see that. I can believe if I rolled my father up into some of the most influential places if I ever had the chance, he would just be who he is and would just start blessing folk. You know how we get sometimes, Dad, you don't need to do all that. Be like, leave him alone. He just started blessing Pharaoh. Oh, gosh, Lord. Oh, gosh, it's embarrassing. Leave him alone. Pharaoh took the blessing. I love this, this, whole, this whole family um, transition of power to the next generation and Jacob walking in, you know, toward the end of his life and he is just like, I do what I do, you know, bless you, son, and, and may the Lord shine upon you. And you look in there like, oh my gosh. No, let him bless him because that's where you come from. And then he finishes and he says, Joseph, I mean, Jacob now speaks. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many are the days of, uh, of the years of your life? Ask him, how old are you, sir? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourning, of my journey, are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. It's interesting how he classifies his life. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourn. And he doesn't even compare himself to Isaac and Abraham. He says, I haven't even attained to what these men have done. And I could just see him sitting there, but my son is standing before you. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence, and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Turn with me just real quick. I'm going to give them time in the back to Genesis 15. This is a fulfilling of God's promise, Chap verse 13. Chapter 15, verse 13. It's what he promised Abraham. Jacob wasn't even born, wasn't even thought of. Isaac wasn't even born. I want you to see what God, as a matter of fact, Abraham wasn't even called Abraham then. He was Abram. I want you to see God's knowledge and let it comfort you with where God takes you and what he has you doing. I'm going to start at verse 12. God was making a covenant. God was now, God was making, God has made and is making this covenant with Abram, which would be the covenant that he would use that would last down to, of course, Jacob and more. And so he says, 
in this covenant as he's making, and you can read it, go to verse 1 through verse 11, it'll give you more context for the sake of time. I'm just going to start, start at verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Now he was having this vision, and in the vision it got, it was a heavy and great darkness. Why? Because of the next verse. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will, sol will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. What is he talking about? What they're about to enter into. They're about to enter into Egypt, and God prophetically spoke this before any of those that were entering in were even born. Don't tell me God doesn't know where you are. He knew it before you were born. He knows what you would do, where you would be, how you would mess up, how he would deliver you, how he would bring you to himself. I read this and I was loving this. God is sovereign. That's why I said in the beginning, God's not afraid of Egypt. Egypt didn't even know that they would be there. And God was foretelling it. Let me finish. He says, verse 14, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they should come out with great possessions. I love that. He says, look, I am always in control. As a matter of fact, that nation that I'm going to allow to bring them in, they would flourish in the beginning. It would turn into slavery, hard slavery. They would feel like they are being conquered. God is like, I already, I already told you all about this. 400 plus years later, they would come out. And when they come out, the nation that enslaved them would give them a whole bunch. Which if we read the story in, in the Exodus, we see exactly what happened. Why do I read that? Here's why. God's gracious provision is my last point. God will provide for you in Egypt if you continue to identify with him, embrace him, don't change who you are, even when they hate you, even when to you, even when to them, you are an abomination. The way you live, your lifestyle, how you choose to walk in God. Even if they don't like it, God says it don't matter. They're going to they're gonna have to submit to what I want for you. And when I want them to bless you, they will. When, when I allow them to persecute you, it's okay. And when I want them to just heap every blessing that they own on you, they will. See, the issue is, it's not God against the world. It's just God period. And the sooner we embrace that, the sooner we realize God never promised easy, y'all. Never. You won't find in his word where he promised easy. 
but he promised he would be with us every step of the way. He would provide when he wants to. I'm not going to get up here and lie to you. God's got it for you. He's going to bless you every day like this. Lie. He will bless you, but sometimes that blessing won't look like one. Sometimes that blessing will be in withholding. Sometimes that blessing will be in allowing you to be hurt. Sometimes that blessing will have some great and glorious days, and sometimes it'll leave you scratching your head, going, really, God? But ultimately, here's what happens. God's plan and purposes will be accomplished with or without you. And you just need to choose, do I want to be a part of that plan being accomplished? Jump on down to verse 27, back on of chapter 47. When you're ready to close. God's gracious provision. Goshen became the place of God's provision in Egypt. And for you and I, Goshen is where the Lord has us in Egypt, but is providing for us, separated from the world, but in it. This is what it says, verse 27. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt. They probably thought they would never be because God promised Canaan. Yeah, but we're in Egypt. I know. Canaan's coming. He says, Israel said, settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and here's the plus with it. And they gained possessions in it, and they were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147. He lived 17 more years after he got into Egypt. When he got there and saw Joseph, he said, now I can die. God said, not just yet, man. You got 17 more years. And to see God's faithfulness and God's flourishing and God's plenty in a land that was not their own, that he himself, God, prophesied about before any of those people, including the Egyptians, were born. They didn't know that God had already set up using their land and their resources for his people. How about you? You do not know, and the people that God will use, they don't know how God is planning to use their resources, their influence, and all of they have to accomplish his plan and purposes through his people. And you can be one as well. And so I want to say to all of us, but especially those that are uh, either launching out or relaunching out, launch out knowing I don't have to change one thing about who I am in Christ to succeed in my new world. And if I change it, it is only because God is leading the change. But know that if you think it is not good enough and you decide to change away from the Lord, you are saying, I can do better than you, God. I got this. And you will find out down the line, you don't got this. And that you will need the Lord's help. And yet God is gracious. 
You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.